what a day for technology issues. I, I think your bandwidth is really rubbish. I can't hardly hear you. all muted oh there you are are you back are you still there i'm still here let's start the show again welcome everyone to the creative coding podcast episode 35 with me Seb Lee Delisle digital artist based in Brighton and me Ian Lobb person with technology issues based in Cornwall been terrible this morning hey man so you were just on that other podcast how did that go oh it was pretty fun which one happy monday podcast with Sarah Parmenter and Josh Josh Long from Treehouse <laughs> yeah and how was it it was good fun it's nice being on other people's podcasts yeah what, um, what did they ask you about? Well, we mostly talked about my issues with US immigration. <laughs> right. One of your favourite topics. I didn't really want to talk about that at all. <laughs> um, I've got uh, an, an interview with the US Embassy on Monday. Uh, but I also talked a bit about Pixel Pyros and my workshops. Um, you but... didn't happen to mention the Creative Coding podcast at all, did you? Yeah, I mentioned that loads. <laughs> Good stuff. I'm glad. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. We're on iTunes. If you go on iTunes in the UK and you go to technology and then like what's hot, we're hot. We're totally hot. We're, we're pretty hot. <laughs> so that's cool. You know what? We're getting some feedback on Twitter that this episode is hilarious so far. People love it when stuff goes wrong. Schadenfreude is like a very powerful thing. When people sort of are their most vulnerable, that's sort of when they're, they're most human. People seem to like it when things go wrong for me. I don't, I don't know why. It's quite liberating, really. Some of your talks, it almost seems like you engineer disaster and then like pull it back <laughs> at the last minute and somehow it suddenly all works. I wish it was fake. Uh, it would be a lot less scary. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's, it's, uh, it's not at all. I think it's just because I take quite a lot of risks and, um, and sometimes it goes horribly wrong, you know. And when it goes right, everyone's quite bored. They think it's... <laughs> <laughs> when it goes wrong and then goes right at the end it's like we've gone on a little journey together right uh look you've just been you've just frozen ian's frozen well um a bit fed up with hanging out on my own now ian are you back i am back no no way i've reset my router maybe it's gonna work this time i hope so how are you doing ian let's talk about you i'm all right I'm fe- man i'm fed up of talking to myself now I'm I'm fine. I'm just really, really annoyed about uh, new Gmail. Are you? New Gmail is just the worst. Why? It's like they've sh- it's like it's half size. Twitter will be with me on this, man. New Gmail is just the worst. I don't understand. Didn't I move to Gmail age? New Gmail ages ago. When you hit compose, do you yeah. get like half a? Do you get half a panel? Yeah, I do get that. That's mega gross. Yeah, it was a bit weird. Well, I remember they asked me if I wanted to try it a while ago and I said no. Or I tried it. I didn't like it, so I turned it off. But now they've just made me, they're making me have it now. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, I've, I'm kind of used to it. No. Did um did Google, like, have they backed down on Google Reader? Or are they sticking with it? No, they're still cancelling that as far as I know. That's weird, isn't it? That is, seems like a really strange decision. Yeah. It's It's one of those things where, like, there's sort of how large a user base is and then there's like how passionate they are i guess and like 
the user base is small, but they're really, really passionate. Like personally, like I haven't knowingly used an RSS feed in about four years, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. I used to get all my news and stuff off Google Reader, but I don't tend to check it anymore. I just look at Twitter, I suppose. Yeah, it's funny that, isn't it? Uh, I told you that I've read my entire Twitter history, right? Yeah, you, I saw you tweeting about that. Didn't you say it was like very like depressing or something? Or it made uh, you not want to tweet anything? I wouldn't say it's depressing, but it's made me sort of stay off Twitter quite a bit since. Really? And sort of reduce my Twitter usage a bit. Yeah, because like ultimately, like what does it all mean? <laughs> like it's just... What is it? It's just sort of saying it's not you can't tweet anything long enough to say anything sort of meaningful. What was your impression of the things that you've been saying then? Uh, wrong. It was uh, short sighted, <laughs> uh, partisan, sort of uh, just stupid. So did, did I don't you know. Find it, that... it gave me a lot of pers- it gave me a lot of perspective on yeah. like where things are now versus where they were like. And I just seem very short sighted in terms of like. Thinking things weren't really going to change ever, and of course they were. <laughs> so that's so the thing. There, I mean, you do tend to express some very strong opinions on Twitter and very like clear cuts or black and white statements. And I often wonder if you're just doing that for, for like effect or the, if that's yeah. what you really think. Are you just trying to start debate. The thing or? is, there's the I saw a really good talk by uh, Jesse Shell. I watched a video of it the other day, and it was like it talks about the hype curve. I don't know if you've ever heard of this, but basically like when something is like being hyped, it has a very rapid like thing and like it peaks and then it has like the trough of disappointment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it slowly sort of climbs back to the its natural equilibrium. Yeah. And the thing is that like I'm very good at cracking jokes in the trough of disappointment. Like there was a massive one about two years ago about HTML5 where like none of it worked. Like it just didn't work anywhere. But what I didn't see coming was the fact that eventually it would sort of get back to something that nowhere near as high as the hype curve, obviously, but yeah. like uh, still way higher. Acceptably good. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's cool getting that sort of that sort of level of perspective. What's mm. funny is when I when I started out using Twitter, I was very much doing like the uh, just off to the shops now. <laughs> and like that's a tweet. And it's like, who is interested in that information? Like no one cares. It's an important thing to get through, though, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know. Like, I noticed as my tweeting went on and, like, my Twitter foo increased, like, I talk less and less about myself and, and more and more just sort of saying things that I knew would wind people up about technology. You know what? What's quite depressing is that I'm just seeing people leaving the Hangout. It's like we're losing viewers. It's like, what are we saying wrong? What, what is it? What are we doing wrong to lose all these people? Know. We just lost another one. I'm here. We've had a que- yeah. We've had a question from Twitter. Oh, Josh Green. He wants to know what are my thoughts on DRM or what are our thoughts on DRM in HTML5. I hate DRM. Mm. I don't know about you. I hate it. Yeah. It's I mean, I think I think it's a bad idea. I think that DRM is something that it makes it harder for legitimate users to use the thing whilst doing nothing to stop piracy. So it's basically the worst of both worlds. It's a, it's a pointless thing. I mean, I guess for a long time, uh, people were justifying the use of Flash video because it had DRM, right? Sure. And um, and certainly Adobe were, were all sort of well on that, on that sort of business side of it. But you're right. I think that's, just like, that's still the case, isn't it? 
Yeah, it is, but they're starting to introduce some of that DRM stuff for HTML5 video. Oh, oh, should should DRM be included anywhere in HTML5 specs? Absolutely not. Yeah. Well, there, there. Um, I think there's some there's some movement to do that. Um, there's well, in fact, Josh just linked to an article which we'll link in the notes. Um, and it's basically a campaign to tell the W3C that we don't want DRM, you know, the web standards. I already know which way this one's going to go, though. The corporations always win. The lawyers always win, basically, on these things. So, you know, I guess there are little battles that can be won. And I guess we shouldn't really go down without fight. But I think you're right. I think these things are led and um, pushed forward by very powerful uh people with lots of money and who have a really old school view of business you know that doesn't really encompass all the new things that the internet is bringing or really fix the pro you know they're not fixing the problems that they're trying to fix they're just making some more problems and like you say often um to the detriment of like people who actually want to buy the stuff legitimately you know like and they can't because it's like geo-locked or whatever you know it's yeah so what do you do just like torrent it i guess i mean this is it isn't it yeah. Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. Any more questions from Twitter or should we move on to whatever the to- today's topics are? What, what are today's topics? I don't know. <laughs> it's weird. Like, we haven't had a podcast with just the two of us for ages. I know. It's weird, isn't it? I want to talk about all the stuff I've been doing. Oh, really? Because <laughs> <laughs> the last four weeks of guests, I haven't been able to talk any- about anything <laughs> that I'm, I'm doing. Okay. Uh, and I've been working really hard on, like, some stuff that... Well, it's basically Pixel Pyros, you know, the tour, getting together for that. And it's been a a real learning curve, you know, just the logistics of it and the business of it and the Arts Council funding and the the suppliers, you know, the audiovisual suppliers, the projectors and the sound stuff. We're just trying to put it all together. But it's just like, I just feel like I've been staring at spreadsheets for a week. Uh, Our funding application still isn't in yet. I've had, um, at least I've got sort of commitments from uh, quite a few sort of cities and venues. Um, so it looks like we've got dates, you know, we've got like six different locations in England. It's all England, unfortunately, it's limited um, in location. Um, but yeah, it's, it's good. It's coming together. It's just I'm sort of a bit overwhelmed by the amount of work it takes and the sort of sheer effort of will to push it through. Mm. Uh, I've also been learning a bit about lasers. Looking forward to um, experimenting with those a bit more. Um, but initially, we've just been, um, I've just been looking at figuring out how to control the lasers. And the next bit of R&D is to get my hands on like a really serious laser controller. Um, for the actual show, we're probably just going to use like one decent RGB laser. What can you do with an RGB laser? Well, obviously, you can make it any color, right? <laughs> right. Is it three lasers? It is actually three lasers, it's three lasers in one, yeah. And the the good, like the bad ones, you'll see the three colours breaking up as it moves around. But the thing with lasers, like if you want to draw a picture, you, it's like vector graphics, you know, you've got to move it around and draw the mm. shapes. And any time you want a gap, you've got to sort of switch switch off the laser, right. you know, while it moves to the new point and then it, turn it back on, draw the next bit. Um, but there's all things that you need to know about, you know, what realistically you can draw with a laser. You can't. Like, for example, like the powerful controllers that I'm looking at using can do um, 80,000 points per second. Yeah, so it can do like 80,000 like little 
positions. How does it actually aim the beam then that fast? Ah, well, I'm glad you asked actually, because there is in laser controllers, there is a system of two mirrors. Yeah, so you've got your laser pointing at the first mirror, and the first mirror can move on the y axis to basically make the laser rotate left and right. Right. And then there's another mirror above that, which rotates around the x axis, I guess, to make the laser go up and down. And each one of those mirrors is connected to a galvo, uh, which I presume is some sort of electromagnet controlled thing yeah. that turns it. I don't know loads about Galvos, but I'm just quite proud of myself for having remembered the name of it. <laughs> um, <laughs> and like the cheap laser controllers that you'll get from eBay or whatever can maybe do 10,000 points per, per second or or even, you know, the good cheap ones can probably do 30 or 40,000. But and that we're... like, what can you do with a laser that you can't do with like a projector? The reason I want to use lasers is because they're so bright. You know, right, they're really bright. Like um, we use pretty powerful projectors in um, Pixel Pyros. We use two times fifteen thousand lumens. So mm-hmm. if you think like a normal home projector is probably one thousand lumens, maybe two if it's a good one, or, or three or four if you're really lucky. But um, these are like obviously a lot more powerful. But still, they're not like really bright. If there's like no ambient light in the location that you're projecting it'll seem brighter right because your uh, your pupils open up and let more light in so if you're in a very dark space you can get away with lower power projectors but even these projectors are pretty bright um, and they look good but they're not anywhere near as bright as a real firework obviously and especially because these projectors are designed to project like films yeah or like motion motion video i guess you know, whereas I'm projecting tiny points of light, you know, I'm not mm. I'm not using the full field of that. You don't need like a photographic image, so like Yeah, so so I guess if I'm projecting very small points of light, it's not as bright as if I'm filling the whole screen mm. with white or an image. So but with lasers, what I'm hoping that will allow me to do is pick out bright points. Um and obviously I've got to do loads of experiments to see just exactly how many points I can kind of realistically project or how many of the bright points of the projection that I can actually augment with lasers. There's loads of R&D that I need to... I mean, even just getting the laser and the projector to match up. Yeah, I mean, you've got to hit the same point with two different beams. That's no sort of a mean feat, is it? Well, I'm... Yeah, I mean, obviously that's the R&D that I have to do. I mean, obviously you've got to do a bit of trick to work out the angles... To, to actually end up in an XY lo- location that the screen would be at. Um, I think, you know, I think I, that's kind of okay. I think the, the maths for that is probably okay. I think what I'm a bit more worried about is the sort of the synchronization because I'm just going to be busily drawing shapes with the laser and yet I sort of have to know when the frame advances on the projector you know the projector will probably be running 50 or 60 frames a second and the laser might be busily drawing one set of points but then the the projector might update its frame and then the laser will have to know that the points that it's drawing subsequently like might draw the other half of the points in their new position there might be you know 200 mils of latency in the system uh, the laser control system I don't know I've got to experiment with yeah. that and, and figure it out um, yeah but you're good at synchronizing these things now aren't you because from pixel pyros you managed to do it with cameras and like 
all sorts of low-tech stuff. The camera and the screen, I mean, it's, it's, it, they're not really synchronised as such. I'm just looking at spots in the cameras and when I find motion, I'm making something happen. So there's obviously a bit of latency in there because the camera's going to take a frame to, uh, you know, to, to detect that motion and then often in the sort of chain of, like, video splitters and stuff going... Oh, no, sorry. I think I guess I meant uh, Pixel Phones or whatever the other one was called. Oh, Pixel Phones. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it is a kind of similar problem. Yeah, because you know that, like, for example, if you're going to, if something has to, you know, has like 200 seconds, 200 milliseconds more latency than something else, you just have to sort of factor that into everything you do, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And um, once the fireworks are set off, you know, it's a fairly predictable path that they're taking. Um and I wouldn't even necessarily start the laser at the point where they take off. And I am also a little bit paranoid about um, projecting in lasers into people. I mean, you can blind them. I mean, it's like a serious health and safety concern. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't recommend that. Um, so what I would probably do anyway is is you know I certainly wouldn't project the lasers where the motion areas are. I'd probably just do it a couple of feet higher you know which means that by that point i'll know exactly where the lasers where the firework is going to go you know even though it's real time i can sort of go a couple of frames ahead if i want to sure but yeah i think all of those things are going to be quite hard but i'm really excited about it just because i want to see these really really super bright points of light yeah well the other thing with lasers is that they're not very good at doing corners right because right? if you imagine how quickly the galvos are you know, kind of oscillating or yeah. moving. If you wanted to draw a line like that, there'd be a bit of an overrun. Oh, really? You know, okay. While the mirror's frantically trying to change direction, right? It'd be like, and you'd find that you have a little curve. So, Does it matter which order it does the different points in? Or does it decide that for you? I mean, there's software you can get for controlling lasers, but it's all predetermined. So you would give it like a vector image and this software would figure out the best way of drawing this image. Right. And and it would deal with all of that. So it would find all the lines. It would do it in sort of bunches of lines that were close to each other. But because I'm making my own laser controlling, I'm telling the laser controller exactly what to do on quite a low level. Mm. So all of that stuff I've got to kind of figure out for myself. So if you want to do a sharp corner, you have to sort of go to the end of the corner and do a little loop and then start the line again. Um, and while it's doing that loop, you turn the laser off, right? So right, I see. that's the only way to get like a really sharp corner. So it's all of that sort of thing that I've got to try and, try and figure out. It's like skywriting. It is skywriting like in a yeah it is it's like in a plane in a plane we've got some more questions on twitter if oh, you're interested oh i've got a question as well actually have you from andreas yeah andreas says why do people assume that html is forever while plugins eg flash are subject to change who, who assumes that html is forever i think a lot of people do like a lot of people assume that like okay this is the web we're stuck with this now mm. like we have to deal with this for the next like 50 years or whatever well, I think it would be insane to think it's going to last for 50 years. I do think it has got longevity, though. And there are a few reasons why it's got longevity more than plugins have longevity. Is it insane to think it will last 50 years? I think so. Don't we still use, like, the Dewey Decimal System in libraries or, like... I mean, I don't know if we use that here, but, you know, that, that sort of thing. And To think that it's... You know, if it does still exist, it will be unrecognisable from what it is now, right? So... I think if there is a reason people think this, it's because... It's a standard, right? And like, 
once you if you establish like a real standard everyone can build things that are like compatible and when you work something out like say you work out how to do accessibility for screen readers and things like this or how you can how google can interpret the stuff with search engines once you sort of got that you don't want to dismantle all of that and have to redo all that right yeah but i do also think that technology is moving so fast that it's actually even really hard to kind of predict what what this stuff is going to be like in 10 years you know i'll tell you what i've seen in the last sort of six months which is new which is people who are into html5 have stop talking about standards and screen readers and accessibility and stuff and they just want to see cool stuff and it's mostly webgl and they just want to see like really fast things that look cool and do whizzy stuff i mean i think there's always going to be a certain contingent of people that are like that right but you know if you look at the sort of wider web community they seem to just be or at least the, the the main people in that community are still saying the things that they've always said you know about no but i think that i just think that that's that's the change like those people might still be saying that but like that's not mm. what like the journalists and stuff are reporting sure so you think there's a bit more excitement going on now that stuff some cool stuff is appearing yeah i mean people want to see like flashy stuff and yeah things that go whizzy yeah i guess i guess everyone wants to see flashy stuff right we're just magpies it looks like Internet Explorer might support WebGL soon. Like, people are already starting to build games that don't touch the DOM at all. They just use all Canvas or, like, yeah. all... I don't know if you saw... Um, did you see Flash versus HTML5 by Matt and John? Did you see that? Yeah, I saw it. <laughs> yeah? Because that whole thing, like, every it was all WebGL, right? Yeah. So, like, even the stuff yeah. that looked like just a web page, it's just, like, one of those parallaxy scrolling sites that was, like, didn't touch the DOM at all. Yeah. And it's, like, it ran really fast, it ran way better, and it looked really good. Yeah, well, I think if you've got WebGL, you should, you might as well use it, right? And there's a lot of um, pretty CPU-heavy stuff happening in 2D Canvas, although obviously it's getting better. But, yeah, I think a lot of those flashy things, particularly on parallax scrolling, stuff like that it's just historically been horrible on your cpu right so yeah anything that can improve on that i'd be happy with even if it means like you lose the standardsness of it well i i think standards are really important i think content is really important i think stuff you know which is information shouldn't be rendered in webgl but a game isn't really information, is it? It's an experience. And thought of like having sort of, I guess, semantic content in a game is kind of, that's that's a different thing. You know, it's good that browsers can do it, right? It's kind of fun that they can do it. I think there might be some interesting things come out of that, but that's not really threatening the rest of the web, which is like HTML and semantic content that can be searchable and readable and screen readerable and re-renderable and uh, there are all those things that make the the web important yeah yet well you know i wouldn't want wikipedia (laughs) to be rendered in webgl right it's like oh it's coming no it's not that's coming seb well if it's coming then it would be coming in a way that was still meant made sense semantically and you know uh, underneath you know it's interesting interesting times what what were the questions from twitter uh, Josh Green came back saying, do you think Blink will one day allow Google to bring in their own type of DRM one day? Because it's theirs. I guess you've heard about Blink, have you? Uh, it's a, a, a fork of WebKit. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Which Google will own and maintain. And that's a great, you know, I, I, I guess it's good that more people are uh, implementing the, you know, standards. 
you know, it's not a WebKit monoculture anymore, right? So that's that's interesting. I know that um, PPK did a really good uh, post about um, about Blink and, and what it means. And it basically means, yeah, just carry on doing what you're doing. Someone sent me a DM. Oh, Jared Ficklin has sent me a DM. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't oh. know if it was while you were off air, but people were like, when's Jared coming back? And I was like, we're booking in. And he's just... Uh, DM'd me with a date, so we'll hopefully book him in in the next few weeks. Oh, Ryan has DM'd me as well, Ryan Henson Creighton, who we've had on a couple of times. Oh, yeah. And he says, mm-hmm. when is he coming on to talk about his game, which is done now, I think, or it's about to be available. So very soon. Yeah, we well, see, Ryan, most guests wait to be invited. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's totally cool. We'll get Ryan in, though, It's eh? an open invitation anytime Ryan wants to come on, because he's very funny. Uh, anything else to talk about before um, we give up? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I'm not especially motivated to talk about stuff at the moment, if that makes any sense. I don't really have that much that I want to say. Like, you'll notice that I've not written a blog post in ages or, like, I can't even think of anything to tweet at the moment. Uh, yeah, are you in a sort of transitional phase? I think I am, yeah. Uh, to, from what to what, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's interesting times. I think, I wonder if, I mean, you're probably not the only one, right? Um, I haven't really written any blog posts for a while. I find it quite hard. Just, I'm kind of a bit busy. Yeah, <laughs> but also, I mean, like, it's more than that. It's like, I, I wouldn't even know what to talk about. Yeah. Because it's like, in the old days, I always knew, like, what things to blog about and stuff. But it's like... If you write an article about sort of action script optimizations or something now, nobody cares. Like nobody would care. Even if you did it about JavaScript optimizations, no one cares really. Probably care a bit more. The problem is the the community that I was a part of is like it's gone a thousand different ways. It's like a diaspora. Um and what like where that puts me now, like I don't know. Like I don't know how I have three thousand followers on Twitter because like they can't all be like, what do they follow me for? Like for flash stuff or for something else? Like, I really don't know. And mm. is it because they think maybe I know like what on earth's going on? <laughs> because, you know, good luck with that. Um, I get the feeling that, or I think there are lots of people in your position, right, who have been sort of hanging on and uh, and, may, and and sort of along the, the way, I've noticed people sort of drop off and yes. and get yeah. sort of disillusioned. And you, you hung in there for quite a while. I mean, I was one of the very early... Um, <laughs> you were the first, I don't know, first off. I was the rat leaving the sinking first ship. First off the boat, yeah. Um, but, uh, but, you know, I guess it's natural to, to sort of resist change, right? Mm. Uh, What's insane is that I still have, like, my job, you know, like, if I want to be a freelance Flash Games developer, I can still do it. Like, I could keep going for as long as I want, basically. Yeah. Like, I might be the last one, but <laughs> I'd probably still be doing it. Whenever we talk about this, you know, I I always say, well, I'm sure that um, there are people still making a living doing director, right? So Absolutely, yeah. I mean, and, and uh, the Flash Gaming Summit was uh, last week. I didn't get to go this year, but this really... This core community of people, of developers, like, you know, maybe like a hundred or so people went to it. And to them, like nothing's changed. Like they're still doing exactly the same things. And it's like, it's not, things aren't always about what the hype is about. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And, but it's just whether, whether people care anymore is the thing. It's like, those guys all know what mm. they're doing now. Like 
So they don't need to read a blog post from me. They know what they're doing. So what what I think I think what I have to decide is whether I want to like whether I want to just like carry on programming action script stuff forever or whether I want to do something else. I don't know. We're into digital media, right? And I part of the reason I like it is because it changes a lot and it changes often. So and and I quite like working on stuff that's on the rise, you know, stuff that's been new and interesting in some way or another and hyped. Dare I say stuff that's hyped? It's a really difficult. One. I mean, I guess sometimes I'm not that attracted by hype. Um like, you know, when the Connect came out and all of these like digital artists were all messing around with Connect, and obviously I bought one and I tried it out, but I wasn't really excited about that mm. just for the sake of being excited about it. Sure. You know, because most of the sort of motion detection stuff I, I was doing and still am doing is um, is just 2D cameras, and I don't need that extra depth for most of my work. So I don't know. I, uh, HTML stuff I thought was interesting just because it was a step away from the system. You know, when we had Flash in the in the browser, you know, that was a step away from native apps, right? It's like you got native apps that were really performant, and then we had Flash, which was in a browser, but closer to sort of the native system, and so it was a bit more performant than stuff that was happening in the browser, and that got better and better. And then, like, HTML started to implement some of the same things as flash but obviously it was a, a step further away from the system and obviously it had some of the limitations that flash had when that first came sure it's just kind of progressions and doing stuff further away from the sort of architecture of your computer i found that quite interesting and some of the limitations that were there were the same limitations at the beginning of flash and i felt there was interesting work i could do there so i don't know yeah don't know. yeah it seemed to work out okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah one thing is I would much rather um, do my own stuff than do client work. I think I think most yeah. people would. That's obviously the dream for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. It's, it's easier said than done. I think we should have a whole episode about that. <laughs> There's a brilliant Onion article that uh, someone was sending around a while ago that's like, find what you want to do in life and then just do it in the evenings and weekends after you're already burnt out from work. I find that I can't. I can't work on like client stuff and then go and work on something else in the evening. Like no. I'm too, my brain is sort of used up by that point. There's only so much productivity you've got, right? And uh, it's like, yeah, you want to save the good stuff for for your work, mm. right? But obviously, if if you're working for clients, that's all of your time and mental energy. And yeah, it's interesting that it's interesting that like some people get really interested in uh, like software craftsmanship, like how things are built. And I think a lot of the time that's because they don't have any control over like what they're building. And so they yeah. they sort of transfer that creative energy that goes into like architectural patterns and thinking about how stuff's made. And it's like you do sort of get a lot better at making stuff or your stuff is sort of more well made, but it's not necessarily better stuff. Yeah. And I think that that's just really sure. uh, displacing like a creative urge from... It's something to get your teeth into, isn't it? Yeah, but it's the really interesting stuff is like what you're making, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, it should be. No one cares how Mark Zuckerberg like wrote Facebook. It was probably awful. I hear that his code's not that great. What the point yeah. is, like what he wrote, right? Yeah. What it did. Okay, well, look, I've got to wrap up. I've got to go, actually. 
episode. That's cool. I think we added like a nice little poignant ending to it that that sort of puts a we did a cherry on this sat on my own in a Google Hangout, which is the loneliest thing ever. <laughs> Uh, to, to some really interesting points, I hope. But anyway, thanks everyone for putting up with our technical <laughs> ineptitude. Thanks, dudes, and dudettes. Uh, and next week, have you figured out what's happening next week? I'm not around, so it's uh, you and your own, Ian. Are you just going to sit in a hangout by yourself? I'm not. I will get one of my internet friends to help me, and then we're going to have a cool show. So, okay, as yet to be decided. <laughs> technical genius. Podcasting techni- technology genius Ian Lobb is going to be running this show, so that's going to be good. <laughs> cool, excellent. Thanks for listening, everyone. Cheers, cheers, bye. See, see ya, bye. <laughs>